Good afternoon. This is your evangelist, Reverend Vernon Collier, uh, coming to you for Strike Fire Ministries uh, with another podcast this afternoon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it happens to be uh, Wednesday afternoon at uh, 4.30, and uh, we're going to try to get this uh, on to you today. Uh, I got a new uh, uh, podcast I want to bring you today, and uh, I think it'll be rewarding, inspiring, uh, and, and it should make you come alive with uh, a new love uh, for people in your lives and for Christ, Okay. We're going to get right into it. Uh, I've entitled this Captivated by Christ's Love. You're going to hear some things uh, this afternoon that you probably never heard in public before, coming you from Ephesians and Revelations and Song of Solomon. Uh, some of the descriptive things that are said in Song of Solomon have never been said, unread, that I know of very seldom because uh, it's too close to some people um, to speak about such things, but it's in the Bible. So this afternoon, I'm going to attempt to go there, captivated by Christ's love. First, I want to read you the scripture from Revelation chapter, or Ephesians chapter 5, verses uh, 21 through uh, 33. Got your Bibles? Follow along. Starting with verse 21, Ephesians chapter 5. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify it in cleansing with the washing of water by the word, that he might have presented to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, and he that loveth his wife loveth himself. No man ever yet hated his flesh, nor nourished it or, and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she overcome, or see that she reverence her husband. Now, there's a couple of pieces of scripture in here. Uh, verse 23, 24, and 25. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so that the wives be their own husbands and everything. Now, verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That shows a love relationship between a man and a woman. And in verse 31, it says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. And the love that we're supposed to have is said here, and we'll get into some deeper stuff, but because of what I've been through in the last year and a half, I know better now because of my love for my wife. Now I've remarried, and my love should be for Christ now because of this relationship. And at my age, at 79, I'm a little wiser than I was a few years ago. Now, there's a study we've done uh, at Truthville Baptist Church. 
on Revelations by Warren Wiersbe. Uh, it was entitled uh, Be Victorious. Um, and uh, the Ephesus church that he is talking about on pages um, 34, 35, and 36, uh, the Ephesus was entitled, he entitled it the uh, Careless Church. He gives them a lot of approval on all things that they were doing. They were sacrificing. They were steadfast. They were laboring. They were patient. They were separated. Uh, and he goes on and on the kind of work that they were doing. Uh, but it was uh, not um, what they were doing, but the reasons behind the why that we do it. Now, when I give you this quote on page 35, it's the accusation that he gives to the Ephesus church here. And I want to read this in total context. This body separated, sacrificing church, really suffered from heart trouble. They had abandoned their first love, and they displayed works, labor, patience, but these guidelines were not motivated by a love for Christ. Thessalonians 1.3, that you can compare it to works of faith, labor of love, patient of hope. What we do for the Lord is important, but so is why we do it. What is first love? It is the devotion to Christ that so often characterized the new believer. Fervent, personal, uninhibited, excited, openly displayed. It is the honeymoon love of husband and wife in Jeremiah 2, 1 and 2. While it is true that mature married love deepens and grows richer, it is also true that it should never lose the excitement and the wonder of those honeymoon days when a husband and wife begin to take each other for granted and, and life becomes routine, then the marriage is in danger. Just think of it. It is possible to serve, sacrifice, suffer for man's sake, and yet not totally, really love Jesus Christ. The Ephesus believers were so busy maintaining their separation that they were neglecting adoration, Labor is no substitute for love, neither is purity a substitute for passion. Church must have both of it if it is to please him. If we read Paul's epistle to Ephesians, you discover at least many revelations to love. You also discover Paul emphasized the believer's call position in Christ in heavenly places. But the Ephesus church had fallen without living up to its heavenly position in Christ in Revelations 2.5. It is only as we love Christ fervently, that we can serve him faithfully. Our love for him must be pure, Ephesians 6, 24, that I have read in, in your hearing. Their accusation in, in this from Ephesians 2, 4, that they had lost their first love. And Warren Wiersbe said, and I want to give it to you again because I think it's very important, honeymoon the first love honeymoon should never be over or the marriage is in danger. When we start growing um, and, and taking each other for granted, then the marriage is, is important. And I say intimacy is necessary in the marriage and, and the same with Christ's love. Uh, the intimacy means close relationship with one another and with Christ. Now, if you look at Revelations chapter 2, Revelations chapter 2, you'll see the whole story uh, here about the Ephesus church in verses, um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. 
and follow along as I read. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things that he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Thou hast borne and hast patience in my name's sake, that labored and hast not faded. So I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast lost thy first love. Nevertheless, remember where thou art thou fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolonians, which I hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Um, there, there was three things he was asking here. First, they were asking the, the Ephesus church to remember your former devotion to Christ. Two, repent of the present lack of love and devotion. And three, return this do and change that were characteristics of the devotion to church in its early years. Christ threatens to discipline the church by removing its candlestick if they did not return to that first love. Tells them to repent. That's where the church is today. We have lost that first love, and when you get that back, or he says, I will remove that candlestick. You know, Ephesus is nothing but a ruin today. Now, I want to take you a, a step further today, and I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I think this is very necessary. Uh, in Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Now, you've never heard this, I don't believe, read very much in public very much read out loud, even over the air. So I'm going to give you some scriptures today from Song of Solomon, which is describing the love relationship. And first one here is the bride praising uh, the groom in, in verses nine, chapter five, verses nine through 16. What is thy beloved more than other beloved? O thou fairest among men, what is thy beloved more than other beloved that thou dost so charge us? My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. His head is the most fine gold. His locks are bushy his, and black as raven. His eyes are eyes of doves by the rivers of waters and washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices as sweet flowers. His lips like lilies drop a sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are gold rings set with burl. His belly is bright overlaid with sapphire. His legs are the pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as cedars. His mouth is most sweet, yet he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Um, in my study Bible here in verses 10 to 16, it says the passage is a maiden's answer to Solomon's description. In his absence, she reflects on her appreciation of his appearance among her comparisons. She states that his eyes are the eyes of doves and only comparison to two share and for one a reference to purity and gentleness um this this scripture just describes the relationship and what the longing and what she feels towards her beloved the bridegroom which is the same way as the bride feels should feel towards christ i want you to get that today um and then if you go to chapter 6, 
verses four through twelve. Now this is reversing things here. It's it's the it's the groom, uh, Song of Solomon uh, is the bride or the groom uh, praising his his bride, and here it is: Thou art beautiful, O my beloved Oterza. Commonly is Jerusalem terrible as an army with banners. Turn away thine eyes from me, for I overcome thy hair as the flock of goats that appear from Gilead, the teeth of the flock of sheep which go up for washing, whereof every one beareth twins. There are not one barren among them, a piece of poverty branding of the temples within thy locks. There are three score and queen and four score concubines, virgins without number. My dove, my undefiled, but one sees the only one of her mother. She is the uh, choice of one that bear her. The daughter saw her and blessed her. Yea, the queens and the concubines, they praised her. Who is she that looketh forth in the morning? Fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners. I went down to the garden of nuts to see the fruits of the valley and to see what the vines flourished and the pomegranates budded. However, I was aware my soul made me like the chariots of Benadab. Return, return, O Shulamite, return, return, that we may look upon me. What shall we see in the Shunammite as it was the company of, of two armies? Now we see here the king um, or the male counterpart showing his appreciation for his wife. And we can turn this around that shows the appreciation of Christ for his church. You see the love of male and female, the love of Christ for his body, the church. All I've just stated is necessary that has never been read in public ever, I don't think so. But it, it, it is real love between male and female. And, and the love of Christ's love for his body and the church should be our love for Christ. Now, I have another book that I had read, um, my devotional time in the evening. And this really said it all as I was I was contemplating doing this podcast and then seems like little bits and pieces were just appearing to me and, and I knew the Lord was up to something and wanted me to do this. So September 3rd, a quote by George Matheson uh, on September 3rd, uh, the scripture they used to start the devotional was consider him lest you be worried and faint in your mind, Hebrews 12, 3. Consider him, that's Christ. Now, the second paragraph of this devotional reads like this. Now you can see the pathos and the passion in this of, 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 of the love that is taking place here. Now listen as I read this. Lord, it is wings I need for my weariness. Love's wings. That which tires my heart is not its toil, but it's an action. It will never cease to be tired until it can soar. Soar to thee. The burden and the heat of my spiritual aid is not its work, but its aimlessness. Give me an aim, O Lord. Sometimes even the entrance of an earthly friend transformed my soul from lacquer into light. Much more shalt thou, if thou wilt enter in. I want a new interest to heal my heart's weariness, someone to live for, someone to work for, someone to wait for, someone to long for. It is my want of longing that makes my want of strength. It is my listlessness that brings my languidness. Create a new heart within me, an eager, beating, pounding heart, a heart vibrating in response to thy love. 
Let me feel the passion and the pathos of life, of thy life. Let me be taken captive by thy bounty. Let me catch the spell of thy loveliness. Let me be thrilled at the sound of thy footsteps. Let me learn the rapture of hearing thy name. Let me experience the glow of excitement when the murmur runs around. Jesus of Nazareth passes by. Then shall the weariness of the heart vanish, and then shall the lanker of the heart cease. For the liberty of flight is the Sabbath of the soul. Then as eagles we shall not faint nor be weary. This just really said it all to me. The longing, the desire, the passion, uh, the pathos that, that, has, that has said here um, in, in what George Matheson said. Um, the desire when you hear, when you're in love with someone and you hear their footsteps or you hear their name or the, the sense that you smell when they're walking by or you look in their eyes and the longing, the zeal, the passion, the pathos for the one that you love should always be white hot. And I really believe that love that we should have for Christ also should be white hot. Now, to top this all off, if you go to Revelations chapter 3, Revelations chapter 3, it is one of the last churches that he writes to, Revelations chapter 3, 14 to 22. Follow along as I read. And the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and thy word that thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou saidest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knoweth not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes have that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke, and chasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as also overcome, and am set down on my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, we, we, we see this in verse, what's very important here is verses 15 and 16. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. But he says he knew their works. They were neither cold nor hot. But I would that thou were, you were cold or hot, but because you are not, you're lukewarm, neither will I, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So you see, we would go back to that losing that first love that they had lost that first love that they had, even in Laodicean church and the Ephesus church were the same way. Um, I want to ask you this question of what Christ says here. After all that I've given you prior to this, uh, have we lost that first love? And followed by a second question, again, the title of this, this podcast, are we captivated by Christ's love? We should be. And in closing, I want to give you this. Please think about this. Ponder it. Meditate on it. Pray about it. Get white hot in love with Christ. 
and with your spouse. Intimacy is necessary, brothers and sisters, in the marriage relationship and in Christ. If both of them are lacking, the relationship is in trouble. I tell you this today in sincere earnestness and, and openness that you would fall in love with Christ over again as you did on your initial born-again experience. That love that you first had for Christ, get on your knees and pray and seek his face that you would get that first love back and that fire in your belly for not only your spouse, but also that fire that you should have for Christ. It should be white hot in love with him. I love you. Thank you for this time today. I hope this has touched you and blessed you. If you have any questions, you can get in touch with me. My email, repco7 at gmail.com. My Facebook page, uh, Messenger, is is, uh, facebook.com. Strikefire Ministries is uh, strikefireministries.com. And my website page is is, uh, strikefireministries.com also. If you want to call me, uh, 518-321-8674. God bless you. Have a good afternoon and go with God and he will go with you. Amen.